Welcome to the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm Luke. And I'm James. And this week, we take a look back at all the projects we covered in 2017. Pictures up, last looks. from the den in my father's house in florida here we are first time together and face to face yeah man it's good to see you we were talking about it we started a business together and this is the first time we've seen each other in the flesh yeah it's pretty amazing uh also we're super cramped and like huddled around a mic so it might sound a little different if if so that's why um but yeah we figured this is gonna be a little bit more of an informal episode than we usually do it's going to be, uh, we're going to do like a retrospective. We're going to look back at some of the projects we did this year. And we're going to address what, like a uh, feedback from people that we didn't get to. Yeah, it, it's just to have listeners send in feedback is a big deal and missing out on that and not talking about some of the stuff that we, we potentially either didn't see or didn't think about. It just kind of adds a lot to it. Yeah, and we just want to make sure that we, we get to everything and since they took the time to, to write us. Like we want to show that we appreciate that. Uh, we also got a bunch of questions from people. Uh, we reached out and people stepped up and sent us questions, so that's been great. And we're gonna we're gonna go through some of those uh, probably at the end of the episode, like second half at least, and and talk about that. So that should be super fun, and I'm excited to do it. Oh, before before we do, I wanted to say we're gonna have light spoilers for every basically everything we've talked about this year. We're gonna try not to like go crazy and say anything big. Uh, if we are going to say anything big, we'll, we'll definitely give you a, like a warning so that you can fast forward. Um, but for the most part, yeah, just light spoilers for what House Moving Castle, The Thing, It, uh, it uh, Die Hard, Blade Runner, Blade Runner. Yeah. So if those projects, the books and novels, if you haven't finished those and, and you, you're worried about spoilers, maybe uh, finish those, come back to this or like we say, it will be light spoilers. I think only one that we're really going to go deep into is, is the Blade Runner. There might be like some very spoilerific stuff in there. So if you haven't seen that movie yet, there will be probably five minutes or so you can skip. Okay, let's, uh, I think I'm ready to launch right back into this missed feedback. All right, so first up, uh, my own father sent us some feedback that we didn't read and he let me know about it <laughs> <laughs> over the, over the Christmas break here. So we're going to get it. We're going to get to it now. This was about the original. Actually, no, this was sent to us um, while we were reading Do Android Stream of Electric Sheep by Philip, on, uh, yeah. right before we saw the original Blade Runner. Yeah, by Philip K. Dick. Uh, he said the second cop slash bounty hunter in the movie is much different, but he has a paper origami squirrel that he leaves each time he kills an Andy or replicant. Also, you guys keep saying that there are no false animals. However, there are many in the movie. Birds, cats and and they are just in different scenes. The relationship between the cops is strong, but they are distant. Yeah, so uh, I think what he's talking about is in in our our coverage of the novel, there were there was a lot of electric animals that were being specifically talked about as like social status items and stuff, 
and uh, I didn't remember how many electric animals were actually in the Blade Runner film. Like, I remembered the snake, but other than the snake, I didn't remember the owl and a few other things. Yeah, they at one point they go to the market and there's a bunch of them. Although I, I don't know that it's explicit that they're all electric, but now that we've read the novel, we know yeah. that they are, right? Right. We do see the owl's eyes. And so, yeah, he was totally right about that. And that's something that we missed. Um, as far as the second bounty hunter, I believe he's talking about Gaff from yeah, the film. Yeah, I think so. So Gaff... Um, he does in the film, he leaves behind origami for, for people. Uh, and as we see it happening, we, he keeps leaving origami behind for people who we either know or believe to be androids. And um, I was talking to you about this a little bit, especially in our, our episode, we kind of touched on it. But what I think this is, is um, Gaff. So in my, in my interpretation of the film, I, um, so spoilers, guys. Sorry, we, we are covering Blade Runner here, so we're going to get off the bat. spoilers right off the bat. Um, I believe Rick, uh, Rick Deckard is is a replicant, and the reason the reason behind this is because at the end of the movie, Gaff leaves behind a, 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 a origami unicorn, and that origami unicorn uh, call, harkens back in the final cut to Rick Deckard's dream of a unicorn when he's when he's sleeping, um, and so I think the implication is. Gaff has seen the dreams that were created for these for these Andes or replicants and he's leaving behind origami animals that they see in their dreams. So if he's leaving behind a squirrel, maybe that replicant had seen a squirrel in their dream and he's seen their dreams because they're they're false memories. They're they're not real. And that some sort of system like like, you know, system has all of the dreams in it to be implanted in the replicants. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. Um he, he wrote in again, also about Blade Runner, so I'll just read that now. He said, I watched the movie tonight again. It was the final cut version. I noticed lots of uh, items in common with The Fifth Element, Star Wars, and the video game Fallout, which he's a big fan of. Uh, he says, the rain, trash, flying cars, and the Asian people and food rem- all reminded me of The Fifth Element. The other feel is the aspect of new old. High-tech items that appear to be old and run down is very Fallout-like. Also, all the smoking in many of the first scenes is a mix of 60s and 80s stuff projected into a future that is very interesting. Yeah, I think he's talking about like the noir aspects there, especially with the smoking. That's that's directly from the noir inspirations for Blade Runner. Definitely, yeah. It's it's like, um, you know, smoky rooms with harsh lighting and very noir-esque. And the, the dirty sci-fi that he's talking about there with the filth element, with the rain, and nothing's very clean. It's not the slick Star Trek sci-fi it's it's that that used up dirty sci-fi yeah and we talk about this a lot but like you know other than with the exception of maybe star wars everything he he listed is was made after this movie so in fact what you're seeing is the effect of blade runner like the legacy of blade runner and how it affected like a, a video game like fallout and it affected a movie like the fifth element so yeah definitely good points like the that's the aesthetic that he's talking about there is something that I think is like one of the greatest parts of Blade Runner. Now, I think we have some more feedback about Blade Runner that you got there. Yeah, we got uh, something sent in by Zaron. And this is about the new one, right? This is about 2049. So if you, this is major spoilers because it's a lot more recent. If you haven't seen Blade Runner 2049, this will have spoilers for that. Yeah, it. skip ahead like, I don't know, five minutes five and you'll minutes. be safe. The feedback says, I've had a heated debate going on whether or not Rick Deckard is a replicant because Jared Leto says something along the lines of, how do you know you weren't made to show up at that time and fall in love with Rachel at that exact moment so that you could get together and make life? But Harrison Ford responds, I know what's real. 
I took this to mean Harrison Ford knows he's not a replicant. I felt that it was being proposed that cross-species, replicant human, life had begun. Also, as an afterthought, it's intriguing to see Ridley Scott executive produce 2049 instead of direct it. I wonder why. Also, how amazing was Joy the AI? Amazing. Uh, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of interesting points there. And I do think that is another unanswered question at the end of that film. And it's open to interpretation whether or not you think Deckard indeed is an android. And that's what we have. We have these hybrids. um, Or uh, if it's android and android. um, You know, depending on if he's human or not. I I love what Denny Villeneuve did with with Blade Runner twenty forty nine because, um, he he made twenty forty nine with such a loving touch and he approached it in a way that he didn't sully the reputation of the of the original film. So like I said before, my interpretation of the original film is that Deckard is a replicant, but in twenty forty nine, Denny Villeneuve brought up many new points that made me believe that he is actually a human. So he took he was able to convince me that I didn't know whether he was a replicant or a human. So he effectively just like changed all of the theories that I had. And I don't know that he did such a great job. And and I think that what, what Zaron is saying here is definitely true. Like, like Harrison Ford is saying he, he knows what's real. And I think he knows that he is a human after all these years, he's aged and, and become this old man that's off on his own. Yeah, and you could argue that that's just that he thinks he's a human. Mm-hmm. And I think that we can say for sure is it seems that he thinks, he believes he's a human. Right, and that's another thing that Denny Villeneuve brought up in 2049, and it just doesn't matter. you know. And I yeah. guess the original also offered up that question, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Well, we're all, it's, the whole thing's about blurring the lines between humanity and replicant. So, yeah, I think it, it, at the heart of the question is, does it matter? I think that, that falls in line. Now, he also asked about Ridley Scott. Do you know anything about that? So uh, I was listening to an interview, actually another podcast that I really enjoy. Um, it's the Directors Guild podcast, and mm-hmm. they, they have directors interview directors who are in the Directors Guild. And Brian Johnson, the director of uh, Star Wars Episode Eight, was interviewing Denny Villeneuve for wow. Blade Runner. And he said that Ridley Scott had other projects going on, and Harrison Ford really wanted the project to get done. So apparently Harrison Ford pushed it into production. And so uh, I think Ridley Scott reached out and kind of handpicked Denny Villeneuve to, and was like, please, uh, uh, I know how much you enjoy this. I guess they've had talks before or something and they approached him with a script and Denny kind of, I think he ended up writing his own version of it and the rest is history. That's cool. All right, so let's move on. Uh, now, I got a nice bit of feedback for, uh, for The Thing. So let's go ahead and address that one now because it came to us a little bit late. We didn't get to talk about it. So uh, the person who wrote in wants to be called a fan from Yonkers, New York. So that's what we'll call him. He says, maybe you guys mentioned this and I missed it. But one thing that's worth noting out re Carpenter's The Thing is that it's a remake. So is indebted to the Campbell source material. He is also indebted to The Thing from Another World. The 51 film is definitely worth looking at if you get a chance. It was billed as a Howard Hawks production, even though he didn't direct it. Hawks was huge in Hollywood, but he's one of those directors, not unlike Hitchcock, who was overlooked by critics, even though his peers had nothing but praise and respect for the guy. Not unlike John Carpenter himself, I guess you could say. I've seen John Carpenter's version dozens of times. I thought Kurt Russell was so friggin' cool. The way he killed the computer was something, something, like his misidentifying the Swedes. He was a don't-give-a-fuck kind of dude. Not exactly politically correct, but you want him running the show when the excrement collides with the ventilation device. 
Again, love listening to you guys talking about a film I love too, especially love the insight about viewing the film as a quasi-Western retelling of the chess and, and the chess motifs. So a lot there. Mm-hmm. Anything you want to react to? Boy, uh, I mean, I I love that film. And uh, the 1951 version is definitely, Carpenter definitely uh, was inspired by that. And there's so much to be said for that. And so you, have you seen it? I have, yeah. A long time ago yeah, when I, I was in school. I haven't seen it. Um, it's, it is kind of a creature feature. Like it's a creature mm-hmm. film more than the paranoia of the, of the Carpenter film. Um, Howard Hawks, there's, there's a lot of things that went on, but he was a behemoth uh, during this time period. And uh, he's not credited as the director of this film, even though he did direct this film. He did? Yeah. He, he directed all, apparently according to the cast, he directed like all but one scene. Oh. And so, but there's a lot of politics and all the things that went on with the huge major studios back then. I think it was RKO. And it's, a, it's, it's definitely a, a timepiece of that era. Yeah, man. And uh, I mean, he said it right. There's a lot of chess motifs. It's quasi-Western. And, you know, I think he just hit the nail on the head there. So Definitely. Oh, we should also mention this is this is a great episode that we had with Mike Arnzen. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Big thank you to him for show, for uh, for doing that with us and for for talking with us. Because, yeah, I thought that was that was an excellent episode. Yeah, that he, I he, really enjoyed. He brought a lot to that episode. Well, two was, episodes, I should say. Yeah, <laughs> we split it into two parts. We split it into two parts. He, he brought a lot to it. Uh, he had this quasi western and the the chess motifs like i i believe he brought up both of those yeah, points and those I think are great those points are, those are right from him yeah all right next up i think you got a house moving castle one right yeah we got a house moving castle feedback from caitlin she says so this is about the book yes yeah yes so michael and hal are both in love with letty hatter but we don't know which one either way they're both younger than sophie who is only 17 right makes sense it makes sense for michael who is 15 but how old is Hal supposed to be exactly ancient does it say because yucky <laughs> that's a good point i honestly didn't think about it yeah but he is older it's weird because it's like that vampire thing right it's like the 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 like sexualized like like vampire who doesn't age and like you see him as like this in, in, no, in, in but- like stories he's like he's like an old man but he's like attractive within the context of the story now, is he old in the book? Because in the book, uh, uh, you know, spoiler for the book, if you want to skip ahead, um, there's like a whole thing where he goes through the portal and they're in another, they're in our world. Mm-hmm. Weird. And we, I was, it was unclear like how long he had been in the fantasy world. Well, his family is, his family is still alive and they're just humans. So you would think that he would be of whatever age. So I think that might be more of family. a movie thing with him being ageless. Yeah. Or, or seeming that way. I think in the book, he actually is a steady age. And I think it's like, I want to say 30s. Yeah, he is 30s, still too old for Maybe her. late 20s. Yeah. Obviously still too old, too old for a 17-year-old. But the age of consent is 16 in uh, England, not 18. I thought you were going to say in, in Howl's Moving Castle. I was like, <laughs> well, you know well, the specifics. Well, the writer, the writer is English. Yes. So for her, it might be less taboo to have a 17-year-old. Yeah. And a relationship with a 27. So that might be it. it it's a good point. Um, definitely worth definitely worth thinking about a little icky if you if you, uh, if you if you really look into it. All right, so that's it for the feedback. I think we've covered all the ones we missed. Yeah, there were other there was other feedback that we read within the episodes and stuff as yeah. people sent it. So yeah. this was just stuff that we we missed and any questions people sent. We're also going to touch on now. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, let's launch into it. Uh, a listener named Mila sent us a bunch of questions actually. So I thought we'd just run through them bunch of good ones yeah 
Um, so I'll, I'll hit you. I'll hit you with this one. Would you ever consider a classic romance like Pride and Prejudice or Jane Eyre for one of your projects? Personally, I would love to see you gentlemen tackle Wuthering Heights. As a personal favorite of mine, I do not understand how it has the classic romance label as it's something as sometimes given. It's such a satisfying, dark, mystery horror novel in my eyes. It's full of emotionally disturbed, vengeful, self-absorbed, monstrous characters, and so many layered surprises. What a page turner. I mean, that's you know that's me all over. Like, I would love to read that novel. This, have you, you've never read it? No, I've never read it. Have you read any of those novels? Uh, no. Oh, I read part of Pride and Prejudice, but I've seen Pride and Prejudice and Jane Eyre as films. Yeah, I, def- I, read. I definitely read Wuthering Heights. Um, I think I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. Didn't appreciate it. Really? Um, yeah. And I think that might be due to my age. Like, mm-hmm. I might enjoy it more now. Um, I think for a lot of those movies, I would probably want some sort of modern retelling to bring me to it but i could i don't know like if we wanted to do a pride and prejudice thing that's popular it could be fun a lot of them I, there's been every once in a while these movies get remade like i know yeah. there's a couple like versions of pride and prejudice i think there's a couple junior so i know there's pride and prejudice and zombies yeah, and that. but that's based off of a novel of the same name yeah but it might be interesting to do even compare the not like the the farcical version compared to the original. How are, how similar are they? Are I don't similar? know. I haven't read them. Well, maybe we check that out. Yeah. I think I, I would like to do. I'm definitely hoping at some point we do some of these like classic romance drama esque uh, novels and and films just because that's it's some like we're I feel like typically we lean into genre and I like always appreciate just anything from almost any genre. So just. Yeah, if you if you wonder why we chose so many genre films, it's we're both genre guys, uh, so we tend to lean into that. So we're probably always going to do a lot of fantasy, sci-fi, horror, like yeah. that kind of thing. But we're we're op- we're open for anything. You oh, know? absolutely, yeah. And, and like not to like that's not to say like I don't love a good drama. You sure, know? I don't of love course, a good. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm t- completely looking forward to the day that we do something that's one of these classic romance novels. Yeah, I mean, I guess in, I would say in general, I feel like we've only really scratched the surface for like things we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Like I have, we just have so many things we want to do with this podcast. So stay tuned for that, for sure. So the next question is, can you tell us more about your backgrounds? You've mentioned Luke has more of a literary background and James has more of a film background. Can you elaborate? Sure. I mean, I'll start. Um, we mentioned it in like the first episode, but I, I realized that not everybody listens to that. So I'll talk about it again, sure. I uh I have a I have an agent. Uh, he's shopping a novel out right now. Um, it's been going a little while, and in the meantime, I'm working on a sci-fi novel that I'm hoping to get to him soon. And uh, you know, I should say I have a, a bachelor's degree in writing uh, writing fiction from University of Florida, and I have a master's degree in writing popular fiction from Seton Hill University. Um, both great schools, great programs. Had a lot of fun. Learned a lot. And, uh, oh, I just sold a short story to a magazine called Metaphorosis. I don't know when it's going to be out yet, but I will definitely let it let you guys know on the podcast when you can check it out. Definitely, man. Congratulations on that, too. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to reading that. Yeah, I'm excited. So my background is in film. I have a bachelor's degree in telecommunications and a minor in film and media studies. UF. At University of Florida. Yeah. I recently graduated about a year ago now. I'm currently working in the industry. I'm doing post-production work. Uh, about a year ago, I directed a short film. Just trying to get out there. Get What's in the, the industry. Uh, tread carefully. Okay. Yeah. I'm hoping to get on to some bigger sets and start start doing some, some larger films. I'll keep you guys posted. Okay, cool. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, number, number three here. 
Who are your favorite authors, directors? Boy, such a <laughs> such a huge question to ask. I guess uh, authors first. You well, you start authors, and then I'll follow up. Okay. Well, I have a feeling we're gonna be similar about this. I, I mean, there are so many of them; it's like almost impossible to list them all. Um, I, George R. R. Martin is a huge inspiration for me. He got me back loving fantasy after I'd kind of fallen out of love with it. Um, Stephen King is a master. He's amazing. I, I love his stuff. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut is brilliant. And, you know, I, I love his books. Ray Bradbury. Um, I even like literary stuff like uh, Laurie Moore writes some beautiful, beautiful things. Um, so, I mean, I'm all over the place. It's hard to pick any one person, honestly. Yeah. Anytime I'm asked to give lists, it's always such a struggle for me. Like, I, I, it's so hard. But as far as authors are concerned, um, I grew up loving fantasy. So my early days were reading Harry Potter books. And so J.K. Rowling has a special place in my heart. Um, I love George R. R. Martin. I love a lot of the fantasy, like Tolkien. Mm. Um, I, I, I heavily lean into that kind of thing. So, yeah. And then on to directors, which is the hardest part for me. Yeah. So I, I mean... Uh, we can pick an era and I'll pick a bunch of... Do you want uh, me to start? Directors and... no, Yeah, you go ahead and start and then I'll just okay. follow I'll just up. list a few. Mm -hmm. uh, Christopher Nolan, I think, is one of my favorite like current working directors. He's amazing. Uh, I love Tarantino. Like I, I feel like he's a very hit or miss for people kind of director. And you, know, you say what you will about certain movies. Um, but I just love him. I think he's really unique. And whenever he comes out with a movie, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm in the theater. Definitely. And then uh, other than that, like uh, Fincher mm -hmm. and uh, Coen Brothers, same thing. Like, I'm going to see it. Yeah. Anything they, all those guys, anything they make, I watch. Um, each of them is so, I mean, the way Christopher Nolan is like, he's like the guy who's pushing like film stock to keep shooting on film and all that thing and to keep the old ways still in effect is amazing. And Tarantino is the same way. Yeah. Um, Tarantino is like an amazing vision and auteur. Like, he's got everything he wants right there. Fincher is one of the most meticulous directors out there. Coen brothers are amazing. Um, I, like I said before, I could pick an era and just pick 10, 20 out of each one. But for me, there's the likes of P.T. Anderson. Anything he comes out with, I will see. Uh, Kurosawa, I've studied all of his films. Uh, Kubrick, same way. Yeah. Spielberg, your Hitchcocks, your... Uh, there's some more, some more contemporary guys that I'm really keeping an eye on right now, like Denis Villeneuve, amazing. Mm. Uh, Edgar Wright, Taika Waititi, these guys are all just like unbelievable, like vision visionaries. Uh, that's probably good. <laughs> yeah. Next question is kind of goes along with the last one. If you had the opportunity to have anyone you wanted on the show as a guest, who would it be? So I'm assuming we can go as outlandish as possible. All right. So I kind of took this two ways. Yes. If I could have anyone on, probably Stephen King or George R. R. Martin somebody like that like just like a legend that who would come on and we get a, like two million downloads can you can people, you imagine having stephen king come on for the shining episode that we eventually do it would it would be like insane <laughs> we'd, be, we'd make national news it would be yeah it would be absolutely bonkers but in, the, in that same vein like it doesn't even have to be someone who's as huge a name as that but like i would i would love to have someone on who wrote the book that we covered oh god that is be being adapted into the movie we're going to cover that's like that's my really my dream and that could be anybody you know mm -hmm. what i mean like it doesn't matter even if they're new like i would i just would love to have that definitely yeah i'm kind of the same way uh 
if we're going out of the realm of possibilities, if we could get like a Martin Scorsese on here. Yeah. That guy, I mean, he is a film encyclopedia. Maybe he's back seen... to back with our Stephen King episode. Exactly. <laughs> he, I mean, he's seen every movie. He knows everything about it. He knows everybody. He knows everything. It, it would be absolutely amazing to have him come on. Uh, I actually saw the other day, it was the same, actually, Director's Guild podcast. It's, it's more of a Q&A after they, a screening of a film. So they're there already and they just record the audio. But it is a podcast that where they they have released this. So Martin Scorsese was on a podcast recently. Like, so so and should be like, a slam dunk. Yeah, then. it sounds like if I just give him a phone call, he'll be here. <laughs> um, and then uh, anybody, I, I would love to have some of the people that I've met in the industry and and coming up uh, at school come on talk yeah. about film. Like you said, it would be a dream come true to have somebody who who directed a film or was involved in the process of making a film come on and talk about the process of adapting a film would just be. Yeah, I just want to say in general, having more guests on is something I want to do. And even if it's just like writers I know and and people that you've met in the industry, like I'm excited for any guests we're going to have on. I know that's lame, but like (laughs) I really, I really am. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I hope that we do more of that. I mean, we had a guest on and it was like, it was awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Yeah. Next up. Uh, she says, Luke, you mentioned being a dog lover a few times. What kind of dogs do you have? And then James, any pets? So I'll start, I guess. Uh, I have two dogs. I have a corgi named Tyrion. Speaking of George R. R. Martin, mm-hmm. he's an awesome little guy. Uh, tricolor, uh, has his tail for people who know <laughs> about corgis. You know, <laughs> We chose not to get it docked. Um, and then my other dog is amazing mix that we got who is a rescue. Uh, her name is Nymeria. Also from Game of Thrones, <laughs> kind of a, more of a deep cut. Do you wait? Do you like Game of Thrones? A little bit. Um, and uh, she's she's super sweet, and she was she was the run of the litter, really malnourished, and we got her. She was tiny, like five pounds, and then she just exploded. And now she's like over fifty. She's she's got big, so she's great. She's beautiful. She's oh, she's a husky German Shepherd, uh, Chow Australian cattle dog mix. And she just looks like a big fox. Yeah, she's a good looking dog. She's like, <laughs> she's got that like calico kind of thing, right? Where yeah. it's like different. You got to come up to Portland so you can meet her. Yeah, I've never met her. I have met Tyrion though. He's an, he's a fun little guy. <laughs> so uh, I have a couple pets actually. We have uh, Zelda who I currently live with. She's a little black lab. She's super sweet. Very nice. Uh, just super loyal dog. And then uh, back home with my parents, we have a dog and a cat, Bella, our cat, uh, kind of a brat but she like she listens to me a lot and she really likes cuddling up with me and then our other dog uh abby who is the sweetest dog she just like will she she like will put her head up to your hand and force yeah. you to pet her she's like <laughs> i need pet now yeah so the next question is the last and most important question i have is this what did you think of the last jedi i would love to hear your thoughts on the movie so, yeah let's get controversial here <laughs> I mean, I don't mind getting controversial because uh, I've seen the film twice. We actually saw it together very recently. Yeah, if you, days ago. if you follow our Instagram, I think I posted a picture, or maybe it was Twitter, of us at the theater seeing it. That was my first time seeing it, only a few days ago. So anything I say comes with the caveat of I want to see it again to really solidify my opinion because I'm someone who likes to see, especially like a Star Wars movie, like I need to see it a couple times before I really, really decide how I feel about it. But yeah, lead off. I mean, I, I, as somebody who watched these movies every single day, like just endlessly, like it's, it's like you have a certain amount of a certain level of expectation going into a Star Wars film. And after the prequels and, and what they did for the for franchise and what they did not do for the franchise, there's a lot of expectations on these new films, but I really, 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 really recommend you see this movie. If you haven't, I loved it. 
Um, there's a lot of uh, controversy going on, and yeah. I think it's a lot of expectations weren't met. Yeah. Uh, which I will say, in my opinion, is a good thing because subverted sometimes. Yeah. If if Star Wars is to continue, and if we're gonna get a movie every year, it has to innovate. It has to do something different. And like you said, Ryan Johnson at every turn, almost every turn, subverted your expectations, and he delivered. Just I don't want to get into too many spoilers or anything, but he delivered a great film. Really well made, and you can tell it's a fan's Star Wars film, but it's also drawing from the things that inspired George Lucas, like your Kurosawas and your, it's it's amazing. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing we don't want to we don't want to spoil it. Yeah. Um. I but I yeah it's surpri- it's surprising, which I honestly can't remember the last time I can say that about a Star Wars movie. Um. And yeah, it's I mean, I don't know. I I I, I really enjoyed it. I I've read a lot of the criticism. And I can see where people are coming from. I don't know if I agree with it, though. Um, honestly, I'm not someone who gets an idea in my head about what I think something should be and needs to be. And I think that's where people get themselves into trouble is they've they've already written this movie before they saw it. And when it didn't live up to the movie they wrote in their head, they got angry. And mm-hmm. um, sometimes, you know, that's just the nature of fandom. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and if they had, if Ryan Johnson had delivered the movie that those people wanted, they would have been, a, they would not have been happy with it, in my opinion. Or even if they were, that doesn't mean everybody would be happy. Because right. like the, people like me who, like, I love Star Wars, but I wouldn't consider myself a fanatic. Mm-hmm. And I am the kind of person who will get bored if every Star Wars movie starts to become extremely, like if we, if we got another Force Awakens, like I, like I can start to get bored right. if, if, if I see a formula being repeated over and over again. Definitely. I mean, and this th- one wasn't, so right. that was what co- was cool about it. Still enjoyed Force Awakens, but yeah, it was me definitely too. derivative. There's no doubt about that. Everybody. everybody yeah. Did. And I'm really glad this one wasn't because like at a certain point, everybody's got their own breaking point And like, I'm, I wasn't, I did not want to see that like same movie again. Me either. Um, uh, go see it guys. If you haven't. Yeah. And if you have seen it. Send us a message on Twitter. Yeah, tell us how wrong we are. Yell at us. I don't care. It's fine. Send us a message. We'd love to hear from you anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's stop and talk about Audible. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't heard in any of our episodes before this, we actually have an Audible affiliate link. It's audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. And what you get with that is 30 free days to Audible and one free credit for a novel in their collection, audiobook. Yeah, and instead of uh, pointing out one particular title, I wanted to mention that right now Audible has a big sale going on through January, the end of January first. And what it is, so you could use our cre- you could use our link, get a free credit, and then right now they have a big list of popular novels that you can select from, and you can get two of them for one credit. So right now our deal is actually even better. If you've been waiting, now's your chance. You can get two books for one credit. And this is a good list. I mean, they have like thrillers and mysteries and all, all kinds of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, I mean, I you have to just go look the list yourself, honestly. there's It's a good list. Um, I honestly might take it up on it because there's some good stuff on there I've been waiting to get. Yeah. Um, so if you have a credit, use it now because you're getting two for one. So. That's right. Yeah. If you, yeah. All right. And that link is audibletrial.com forward slash ink to film. All right, next up we have Jeff Roden. He has a few questions for us. Let's start with this one. Which podcast episode has been your favorite to record? I'm going to hit you first. Uh, I really enjoyed having a guest on. Mike Arnzen came on for the thing. Uh, it, I mean, he brought so much to it. He teaches horror classes He at, at Seton Hill. Seton Hill, right. So 
he i mean he knows his stuff he loves it he's a horror writer as well so he, it was so much fun to have him come on and the thing is such a fantastic like project to have yeah. worked on uh that was my answer too and and, and specifically because he says favorite to record mm-hmm. like having a conversations with mike is it's always so much fun mm-hmm. so i just enjoyed the hell out of that that whole process so yeah that's my answer too yeah i will also say that I feel like I had a really good time with you and I really diving into Blade Runner 2049 also. Absolutely. Yeah, that yeah. was that was in my top ones too to go between. Um okay, so he also asks, do you have any plans to attempt Lord of the Rings? Uh my answer or yeah. your answer? Go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah, like yeah. we have to because the Lord of the Rings, I read those novels cover to cover so many times and the the fellowship of the ring uh, not to say that all three of them aren't amazing because the, that is probably one of my favorite i would say my favorite trilogy of all time and that's hard to say uh and it's just so well made so well crafted it's peter jackson at his best and the fellowship of the ring when people ask me what my favorite films are fellowship of the ring it always makes the list well i'm putting my foot down we're not doing it i'm just kidding <laughs> no. oh no i'll <laughs> no. do solo episodes no, I would I would love to do it, and especially that original trilogy. I mean, I don't know about the Hobbit. I don't know if we'd ever do that, but I uh, I, I love the, the novel of the Hobbit. Yeah, I, I love it a lot too, and I absolutely adore that. But agree, uh, the films were, were we can get into that. We'll have a whole another episode if we do that. We'll talk about it. Yeah, see so if we do if we do one of these, we can always mention the other ones. Is just part of it, right? Um, but yeah, I think I mean just logistically, they're they're big they're big books they're big movies um so we would have to have a a a big enough span of weeks where we know we weren't doing something else and i would i would say where we're we would start with fellowship we'd probably do that as its own block and then we would probably move on to other projects and then return later to do two towers right so just that's i think the way we would do it i will say a lot of people have asked also if we will do harry potter and we're still we're still thinking about it. I, I think I would, I would, because I am such a huge fan, I think I would like to, but we worry that it, it's such, it's such a, you know, it's such an undertaking. There's so many books, so many films, and it, our so podcast many, could become the Harry Potter podcast. So Yeah, so many podcasts. I should tell you, I actually didn't mention this, and you just reminded me when mm-hmm. I was at PodCon, I heard about a podcast. It was there. The person was there. Mm-hmm. It was called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this podcast? No. So they go chapter by chapter. I'm doing a big shout out to them, but whatever. Check them out. They're, they're another literature, you know, literary podcast. Do yeah. it. Um, they go chapter by chapter and they read Harry Potter like it's the Bible or the Quran, and they try and like extrapolate out from it like it's a holy holy text. That's that's awesome, man. That's I'm gonna. I didn't even know that existed. Now yeah. I'm gonna go listen. It's super popular. This is my problem with Harry Potter. Um, and you get a little bit of that Lord of the Rings too. It's it's so covered, you mm-hmm. know. If, if if like if people really wanted to hear our take on it, mm-hmm. like I'm down to do it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, it's like that's something that's so saturated right now mm-hmm. that that's the only I guess the only con is that we we're competing with a podcast like that that mm-hmm. is you know that's their whole thing is being yeah yeah. At the end of the day, it, it, that franchise means so much to me. I could see us doing it eventually. I will yeah. say that I, there's probably a good chance we'll eventually do it. It's just about when and where. Yeah. All right, uh, he actually has another question, but I think I'm going to save it to the very end. So hit me with a, hit me with the next one. All right, this comes from Caitlin. She says, what has been your favorite and least favorite book? Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, as far as books go, I guess I'm going to have to go with Nothing Lasts Forever, the book that inspired Die Hard. Um, I'm really glad I read it, though. Like, it's weird because it's, it's a book I'm super glad I read. It's one of the books I said on the podcast we recorded for it. It's one of the reasons I did this sh- this whole show was I, I 
found out Die Hard was based off a novel. And I was really curious about it. And I, I love the fact that I've read that novel now and I can talk about it. I, I think it's really cool. But if we, if we want to break it down and say best book that you just enjoy reading, it's probably my least favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite? It. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had the exact same answers. Really? Yeah, I did. I no- didn't know you were going to say that. Yeah, nothing lasts forever for me. Uh, it was a fun read. It was just, it didn't quite grab me like the others did that we were reading. Like I get really invested in characters and I liked the novel. I enjoyed it. There was a lot to be said for it, but at the end of the day, it was, if I had to choose a least favorite, it was my least favorite. And I don't know. It just, it just wasn't on of the same caliber. We read some really good books. Uh, and then my favorite is it. And it was just, it was our first project. Yeah. We did it in five parts. The movie came out right around that time that we finished, and then we did a movie episode on it. And I mean that that is an epic, epic, epic novel. Yeah, like I hadn't read it, and it it really was was so much fun. And Stephen King, I'm I, I will read anything Stephen King writes. Although he's written a ton of stuff, so that's a that's a huge yeah. It's a, bo- it's a yeah. No, I mean I think there are whole podcasts devoted to his his work, and I'm sure it would be easy to let this one beca- become that. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I, and you know, I get, I think part of the reason I enjoyed that novel so much, even though I was rereading it, is that it was our first project. So I also, t- there's a lot tied up there with starting the pro- starting the podcast, which I've just had so much fun doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all new, you know, at the time. And, um, but yeah, also, I mean, he's an amazing writer and that's, that, I think that's an amazing novel. So yeah, if you want to check that out, those, those old episodes are there. They're all raw and waiting for you to li- come listen to them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next up, uh, Caitlin asks, what our favorite and least favorite adaptations are to film? So I'm going to le- let you start. All right, leading off with the films, I'm going to start off with least favorite. My least favorite, I think, will surprise you. It was it. It was it. It was it. Because I had to choose between all of the amazing films that we've done. And I mean, I love It's one of my favorite movies of this year. But we've covered the likes of the thing, yeah. Blade Runner, two, which are two of my favorite films, period. Yeah, we told Blade Runner twenty forty nine was such a step up, not not up from the original, but it was like I it was it was more than I expected, which is saying something because the original meant so much. to Probably me. Probably my favorite movie of the year. Yeah, Howl's Moving Castle was there. It's amazing, man. Hayao Miyazaki, you can't count him out. Die Hard is such a fun. I, I was I went between Die Hard and it. And I just chose it because it's so new that I feel like maybe if I watch it a few more times, it'll get up there. But I felt like it was right there and I just had to choose one of them. So Should I do my least favorite now or do you want to give your favorite? Do your least favorite. Okay. So my least favorite, <laughs> this is so hard to choose, but um, I went with The House Moving Castle. And I think it's because um, it's not my favorite Miyazaki film. Like mm-hmm. my favorite is Spirited Away. Mm-hmm. And I still find, I think Spirited Away is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, like I, it's the same thing you were just saying. Like I loved everything we did so much, and yeah. like uh, that might, that won't always be the case. I know that's not going to always be the case. Eventually, we have to do something bad so that we can. When somebody asks us again, we can be like, "Oh, yeah. this is a stinker." Yeah, but I genuinely love every film we watched for yeah. the podcast, and that includes *Hobbesbeen Castle*. It was it was it was closer to being my number one. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was it's it's wild that. It, but I, if I had to pick, I think it's that, and it's because there are there are just a certain parts in that movie, um that drag a little maybe and i don't know there's something about it maybe because it's anime instead of live action as much as beautiful as it is like mm-hmm. i've never felt like someone who connects with anime as much as other people do yeah um i guess i have to choose that but i got cringe even saying it yeah it's it's so tough to say i i get i i don't know all Oof. right favorite let's favorite. Yeah, let's get out of here palette cleanse 
um favorite that we've covered i so this is also extremely tough because we've covered like i just said so many amazing things blade runner the thing blade runner 24 9 how's moving castle i if i had to choose my favorite to film that we've covered is blade runner original 1982 and it's just because like i've always loved that film and that that is one that has always stood the test of time and if anything it's been heightened by blade runner 2049 and I just, I don't know, that movie's so timeless and it's at, it's so, it molded so much of what I'm so interested in. You know what I mean? In that, within that genre vein, sci-fi, it's, it's awesome. Well, I've already said how close everything was. Um, and honestly, I was really close to choosing Blade Runner 2049. And I don't know if I've told you this, but I think I might even prefer that to the original Blade Runner, which might be harsh to say, but like, I really like them both. It's so hard, yeah. but I just loved that new one. Um, but honestly, that's not my answer. I think my answer is the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just like, I think part of it is cause it's, it's, st- it stood the test of time. Mm-hmm. And every time I go back and watch it, it blows me away. And I think talking with Mike about it, I just, my appreciation for it really grew even more. Mm-hmm. And so when I think back about the best adaptation, uh, when honestly you take a novella that could have been my choice for least favorite, cause I, it has some problems, mm-hmm. um, who goes there? And but you take a novel and you adapt it so brilliantly into what John Carpenter did. Like I, I, that's my that's my choice for best adaptation. Yeah, I mean I can't fault you for that. That's one of my favorite movies. So good choice. <laughs> All right. Next up, in your experience, what were some of the biggest challenges in starting this podcast? You want to start off? Yeah, for me, it's been just hearing my own voice and having to figure out how to talk in a way that's leg- like people can understand and being like having better habits on mic. And I hope that that's something I've gotten a little better at over time, but that's just something that I had to, you know, I'm continuing to work on and has been probably the biggest struggle for me is to, to listen to myself and, and have to think critically about the way I talk. Yeah. It's tough. I would say my, the hardest thing for me was, is the, the size of the edits sometimes yeah when we get into like our three hour recordings and we got to cut that down it's it's tough and and it's long but it's it's and it's it's funny because you you got to be as meticulous as possible while also being a casual it's a casual medium it's it's a podcast so um it can be tough but it's part of it's part of a podcast is is having some sort of edit and we wanted our podcast to be um a little more professionally edited than than just oh we recorded ourselves and, and put it up there so yeah and I mean, you do yeah. you do an amazing job with that. Thanks, so man. big big props for that. He does ninety percent of the editing. I just listen and point some things out to you, and then you do it. So in that way, hundred percent of the editing. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's it's you do a great job with it, and I wouldn't be able to do this podcast because I don't have those skills. Yeah, um, I could teach you, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. It's not that tough, but it's it's one of those things where it's like it's just like it's kind of like we talked about it. It's the gate. It's the gate of entry. It's yeah. like if you if you want to try to put something out there that's a that's a of what you feel is a quality product, you got to put the work in, and yeah. that's exactly what we try to do every week. Yeah, so we're we welcome the challenges. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, the last question. Uh, what uh, she wrote. What book would you love to see turned into a movie? So this was hard for me because I, I was trying to think of novels that I've read that weren't turned into into films already. You know. Yeah. Um, there's this really interesting book series I read as a kid um, called Pendragon, and it's very, very YA fiction, and it's 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 very kind of Harry Potter, kind of like in that vein, and 
I always just envisioned it in my mind. I was like, this would make a really cool movie because it's like a story of traveling to different worlds and dealing with different cultures and different types of people uh, while meeting up with these chosen ones to to take on the bad guy. And I always just thought it would make for a good movie, especially when a lot of those why there's that huge surge in YA being adapted. I was like, this, this would make a really cool uh, movie series. But it, it's just tough for me because there's there's so many others that I would like to see adapted. This one's just always something that I've been like, that would probably make a decent, pretty decent movie franchise. So I had a different answer, but I'm going to change it. Uh, I think I want to, I'm going to say there's a book called The Blade Itself mm-hmm. by Joe Abercrombie. And it's, it's a series, uh, three books, uh, first law trilogy. And he's what's known as a grimdark writer, grimdark fantasy, which is a type of fantasy I really like. Like if you like George R. R. Martin, it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love those books and I would like to see them made into a premium cable channel TV series. I think they would make an excellent TV series like that. Mm-hmm. And um, honestly, when I heard the announcement about the new Lord of the Rings show coming out, that was one of my first thoughts is like, there are so many other amazing fantasy series out there that haven't been adapted. Like I'm excited for it, but at the same time, I want to see, there's so many other ones. I mean, and that's just one. I mean, you, we talk about N.K. Jemison's uh, The Fifth Season. Um, now, some of these, actually, there are plans to do them. So like I was going to say the name of the wind, that's in, there is plans to do that. So I the reason I say the blade itself is because I haven't heard any current plans to make it, and I would love to see it. Yeah, it's it's so interesting to see the ones that I mean I know that it's a property that uh, people know and love Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I know that people know and love it, and I understand that the studios want a surefire hit and they want to go in heavy on it. But at first, I I heard that they were remaking it, and I thought I was like blasphemy. You Last thought they movie. were remaking like Fellowship. I thought stuff. they were remaking the films as a miniseries, and I was like, "This is absolute. This cannot happen." And uh, went and looked in more into it, and I've gotten more excited about it as time goes on because it's not it's not like a full on remake of all that stuff. They're gonna try to spread out the lore some. Have you heard the casting news? No. Uh, uh, what's his name? The guy who plays Gandalf. He's gonna. Oh, Ian McKellen. He. I th- he's I returning th- for is it. Is he officially? Because I, saw I don't know. Him, I, saw I saw. Him. I saw something. About okay. It. I saw. I saw that he wanted to. I thought he. I saw. I saw that he said that he wanted. Well, to. Well, it'd be dumb to not bring him in. Come yeah. On. Oh, you have to. Yeah. But do I you, thought he was confirmed. but yeah. Maybe not. If he. If he. I mean, so on board. If he's on. Like, if he's <laughs> there. I'm so on board. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a question from Colton, and this is this is a buddy of mine. He also has a podcast called Watch Review Repeat. Right, which uh, you've been a guest on. Yeah, I've been a guest over there, and they have a great podcast. Uh, it's Colton and Andrew, and they just talk about films and movies. Uh, Colton and I have a lot of the same interests, and we talk about constantly. We're texting each other back and forth about news and things that are going on, and um, he's a great guy. They they talk about all of the, the movies and shows that are being released, movie news, and they've covered, I mean, they've covered The Last Jedi, Disaster Artist recently, and... They, they put out a really good product over there, so go and check them out. I uh, highly recommend. And if you do go over there, send them a message and be like, hey, your buddy's over at Ink to Film said what's up. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, so he wrote in some questions. He wrote in some questions. Uh, the first being, would you say that reading the book before seeing its movie adaptation you haven't seen has changed your, your, viewings, your viewings on the movies compared to how you used to watch them? So he's asking... Basically, the experience of reading a novel and then going to see a movie, does it feel different than just going to see a movie? Yeah. Um, Do you want to just answer this together? Because like, I feel like... No, I'm, you, go, I'm, you I'm, go first. We're, we're both leaning into the same answer, I feel like. You think so? Yeah. Go, so, re- after reading uh, Philip K. Dick's Do Andrew's Dream of Electric Sheep, 
and then watching Blade Runner and then going into Blade Runner 2049 in IMAX. So I was so excited for it, regardless of like we were doing a podcast on it, but I was excited for this movie when I found out that it was being in, it was in production with Denny and going in, uh, we we got to see something on screen that was of the quality of the original. I was, yeah. I'm willing to say that it's like right there with it. And it was like an experience more intense than I normally would have from a movie like that. And, and that's saying something because normally I go in with extremely high expectations for something like that. With a, with an Oscar caliber director attached to a sci-fi film that he's loved since he was a child. Like that's just a recipe for success as long as the studio lets them do his thing. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. I, I do agree. I was I was super hyped for those. Uh, I, I remember when I went and saw It. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like losing my mind in the theater. I was so hyped to see it. It was I was so excited. Now I I think the, the one caveat is like we've said we've loved every adaptation we've seen this year. So it'll be interesting to see like if we love a book and then we see a movie and it's a letdown. Yeah, eventually. How's that? And that's gonna happen. It's bound to happen eventually. Yeah. The other thing I was gonna say is if. If we love, if you love a book and then you see a movie and it doesn't live up to the book, you still have that experience of loving and reading the book. Like I'm not someone who sees a movie and goes, "That ruined the book for me." Like that'll never happen. Right. So even like to me, I'm not going to lose anything by seeing a mediocre film, even if, if that does happen. If I love the novel, mm-hmm. um, and then if if you read a novel that you think is fairly mediocre, like maybe nothing lasts forever, mm-hmm. you could argue. Um, seeing the movie just elevates it. Right. So I think it's a win-win situation. Definitely. Honestly. Yeah. So he also asks, uh, what about projects where you've gone back and read a book after you've already seen the movie? How is that different? That's like Die Hard. Right. So Die Hard or How's Moving Castle. Yeah. So having seen, having seen the movie first and going in to see and going in to read the book and then see the movie again, I go in, I feel like I go in with a particular eye and I'm like, like I kind of, um, I have certain preconceived things that I feel like are going to happen and characters are going to act certain ways and people are going to like, I have settings in my mind. Like I can, I can shut my eyes and visualize those, mm-hmm. those places. So, uh, it's definitely a different experience. Yeah. I, I think, um, house moving castle is when I go back to, because I had seen that, that movie liked it. Um, it was one of my favorite animes. And then I go back and read that book and it, it brought like a level of like rich detail to it that I you don't get from the movie. Mm-hmm. And then what is cool is like you read the book and it's so different and then it adds this stuff. And then you go back and watch the movie again. It is kind of a new experience. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was almost like watching it for the first time in some ways. Right. And that's really cool, especially for something that you love to same thing happened with Die Hard. Watching it this year was a whole new experience for a movie that I'd seen a million times, but right. this was a new experience. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool in that way. Yeah. So next question is, do you have a preference between reading the book before or after? Yeah, for, for me, I think, I mean, I, I mean, both are great, mm-hmm. but I think I, I prefer to read the book first. And like we said, because I don't believe that it spoils the movie mm-hmm. because all it, it, it almost can't like you're still getting the story for the first time. So it's not spoiled. But what it can do is it can make you love and appreciate the film i think even more than you might otherwise Mm. so for me it's funny because like when i first thought about this question my immediate reaction was that was book and then movie but honestly being a film guy like i would rather see the movie 
kind of ingest that even after saying what I just said, where yeah. I said, like, I go in with a certain, like in the novel, I have like certain preconceived notions and certain like, like visuals that I can't get out of my head. Like characters look certain ways in my head after I've seen the film. And, um, even with that being said, there's something about go for me because I just, I think I just enjoy the form of film a little more, uh, it's just like going in and seeing a movie fresh without any sort like some of my favorite experiences are just walking into a movie that I've never seen the trailer for, haven't seen any advertising for. And it ended and when that movie ends up being an incredible film, it's just like such a fantastic experience. But you then like to go out and read the book. Yes. And then I'll read the book, watch the movie again. I, I would I would say that that might be my preference, but doing it this way, book and then and then movie is something that I've done countless times throughout yeah. my life. You know what I mean? Where it's like I know a movie's coming out. Let me read the book first and then see the movie because I just want to get that material. Yeah. Also, I don't know. I guess I go back and forth, but uh, for the for the sake of this answer, I'm just gonna say movie and then book. Yeah, and if you wanted if you wanted to experience the podcast that way, you could like listen to our book episode, our movie episode. When yeah. the movie comes out, or after you've seen the movie, and then go back, read the book, and listen to the book episodes. Like, I mean, it's on demand viewing or listening, so you mm -hmm. can do that. What's um, funny is that it's not like, ideal for us, but we'll take it. Yeah, what's funny <laughs> is that it's like it's it's probably this podcast is probably going to be about. I mean, who's to say like by the end? But half and half. Not that there will be an end, you know. Who knows? For the for the foreseeable future, we're going to keep this going as long as we can. Yeah, and uh, but. I mean, so far we've done five projects. Two of the five have been something that we've both seen before. Yeah. So it's gonna we're gonna get a mixed a yeah. mixed uh, kind of yeah. sampling there. We'll 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 do the spectrum. Oh, I should say we had a question earlier about how we choose projects. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I think we've leaned into is we like to choose projects where at least one of us hasn't read and seen the movie. Right. Like it's new, something about somewhere in the process is new for at least one of us. That's one thing we look, and that's not yeah. hard to find, honestly. Yeah, it's not. Um, and that's not to, that's not to say that we won't do stuff. Like, yeah. like I feel like we have to do Jurassic Park eventually. I've yeah. never read the novel though. So there you oh, go. Okay. Well, yeah, so we're fine. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, I guess it will come up from time to time, but I, I think we, we typically will try the to one, do stuff. Like if we, if we were going to do the first Harry Potter, we've both read that novel right. and we've both seen that movie. Well, have you read the rest? Okay. I haven't read the rest, but okay. that that movie. So we're good for two through. <laughs> I think it's three. I think I'm up to three or something. Okay. Well, yeah. Um. I mean, again, who knows when we'll do Harry Potter if we will, but, uh, yeah, it's cool to try to do something because somebody gets something new out of it, and we get to kind of see each other's reactions, which is always fun. Which 2017 project ended up surprising you the most, whether in a good way or bad way? All right, I'll start. I think it's, I mean, it's House Moving Castle for me. And I think it's because of how much fun. I was a little bit hesitant. Like, I, I didn't know. But I really enjoyed talking about that movie and talking about that book. Especially the second episode. If you haven't listened to it, mm -hmm. wild stuff happens in the second part of that book. Yeah. And it was super fun to talk about. Yeah, that was a fun one. Uh, what really surprised me, and in, in a Surprised me for the sheer fact that it was like un an unbelievable film going experience was Blade Runner 2049. Yeah. Because like I said, this movie has, this movie is on a specific plane of existence in my mind that like almost nothing can touch. And we went and saw this film that captured everything I wanted, did everything, subverted expectations, you know, and which yeah. we, to come back to that and, and created something wholly new in a world that felt familiar. Yeah. And I was so surprised and who, I shouldn't have been, you know, it's Denny Villeneuve. And yeah. from now on, I, I mean, I have seen 
uh, I might not have seen. I don't think I've seen Enemy, but almost everything he's he's done, I I've seen, and from now on, I will watch everything he makes. Yeah. Well, uh, rumors are that he's going to be doing the new Dune, Dune yeah. adaptation, which I would love to do if that if that comes out at some point. He's the perfect guy for that it. We can do. Yeah, and again, that's another property that he's approaching as a complete and total fan. We've already talked about how we choose our next uh, next projects. We have a we have a big list, and we we just look at it and figure out what's going to fit in the time frame yeah. we have. And we're always mapping out when new movies are dropping, and so we have to plan backwards from those. Um, but I mean, otherwise, it's, we talked about it. Yeah. I think Luke recommends a lot of books that I didn't even know existed. <laughs> that that like books that were adapted into films and films that I've either seen or not seen. But he'll be like, "Yeah, did you know this was based off a book?" I'm like, "Yeah." nope <laughs> i mean a lot of that i get from the internet yeah <laughs> um i can't take all the credit so the last question i think we're going to end on mm-hmm. um was sent in by colton and jeff essentially mm-hmm. essentially the same question and that is which pro which project are you looking forward to the most in 2018 and why so um this is something that i didn't even know was in that I, first of all didn't know it was a book didn't know it was being adapted which is rare because usually I know I kind of keep track of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But Annihilation, when I saw the trailer for Annihilation, I was like, this is my movie. Like, this is what I like. This is my right up my alley. Jeff Vandermeer novel and uh, the guy who did Ex Machina. What's his right. name? Alex Garland. Yeah. Yeah. And he Ex Machina was one of my favorite movies of 20, 2013, 2014, 2014, I'm going to guess. And I mean, that movie is incredible. And it's i just love these directors man alex garland is going to bring something to this sci-fi it like adventure like horror adventure i don't know it it looks so interesting to me and i i've kept away from any sort of spoiler so we're gonna jump into that book here in what february yeah a couple months excited uh so my answer i was going back and forth uh at first i was gonna say uh where the wild things are which we're doing we're doing next Mm -hmm. um and that's just because i'm really excited to watch that movie because it's always been on my list it looks beautiful and dark and just like amazing uh spike jones directed another and, incredible filmmaker yeah and i haven't seen this movie either i haven't seen it either so, it's, and so i'm excited to see it which is rare that we both haven't seen the movie yeah it wasn't new but i'm gonna go with ready player one um now a lot of people in the literary world don't think much of this novel it's funny because like you'll find people who really really love it and people who think eh, you know or maybe even are critical of it but the reason I want to podcast about this novel is I feel like it's a book that's made to be podcasted about. It's full, chock full of references, and it's going to be. I just think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to record those episodes with you because I think we're both going to get to talk about so many different things. Yeah, and I mean, it's I've heard it's going to be a lot of fun. I've heard stuff about this this movie slash novel. Yeah, and. Ernest Klein novel, Steven Spielberg film. Yeah, and it's like this is like all of the references are are directly for us, basically. Yeah, they they I mean, that's just like my my childhood that they're yeah. that they're putting into a film and and blocking it all together. Really, really high expectations. Uh, Steven Spielberg is a master filmmaker. Everybody knows that he's the king of blockbusters, um, and I'm excited to see him. I, I would I, I'm really really hoping that it's that's what we hope it is. Like I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, man. Um, I mean, I, I just wanted to give a, you know, if you're still here listening to this episode and you're looking forward to the new year, I wanted to go ahead and tell you a couple other projects we're going to do um, that we've mentioned here or there. But we're going to do Altered Carbon, which is coming out um, early February. Uh, it'll be before Annihilation. It's going to be a Netflix series. Uh, we're going to read that book by Richard K. Morgan and then watch that Netflix series 
really stoked about that one. And then I don't even know. We have like a we have an empty gap that we're going to fill with something. We got to figure out what what fits in that time frame. So stay tuned. We'll probably announce that. Well, we'll definitely announce that in our Where the Wild Things Are episode. Yeah. So hopefully you check that out, and we'll do it on social media and stuff too. Yeah, there's a week or or so here if you guys really wanted to get your answers in quickly. We have about two weeks where we could fit um, two, three weeks. I think it's two. Two weeks, so we could do one uh, a short like novel, a short novel, and a and a movie. So if if you have any recommendations you want to throw out there, go for it. Yeah, We're, send them we, in. We'll be filling it very soon. Um. Yeah, and if you wanted to send that to us, you can always send it to inktofilm at gmail.com. That's where you can send us any feedback about any future project we've talked about. Um, even if it's months away, go ahead and send it now. That way we have it and we won't miss it or, or get it too late like we've ha- happened a couple times. Um, and we'd love to hear from you just about anything, really. Um, yeah, and if you ever wanted to reach out to us in any other way, Ink to Film is on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and it's at Ink to Film. Um, we're pretty active on there, so anything you you send out, we will see. We'll probably reply to you if it's you know if it's a question or. Speaking of that, uh, tonight we are going to be playing the thing board game, yep. which I got for my brother because he was so awesome and he got me uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine whiskey. So I thought I'd return the favor and get him an uh, something from our podcast, kind of. And we're gonna take pictures of that and, and post them yeah. on social media. But I, I'm super excited to play. Yeah. It looks really fun. I mean, it's probably one of the coolest board games I've ever seen. Yeah. You know, it's like. It, it looks amazing. Uh, yeah, beyond that, uh, you know, hey, if you're like listening to this and you're enjoying it and you're like, how do I help these guys out? Uh, make sure you subscribe on whatever you listen and then um, or, you know, leave us a review. And, you know, you can leave us a review on the thing you listen on. You can go onto Facebook and they have the function where you can leave it on a page. You know, anywhere that you can say something positive about us in public, like that's a huge way to help us out because it draws attention to our podcast and beyond that, yeah, word of mouth. Tell somebody about it, especially yeah. if you think they'd enjoy it, you know, this sort of thing. Definitely. We, we'd love to grow the audience and just engage with as many people as possible. We got to say thank you to uh, Audible for providing us with a link that we can send out. Yeah. And we also want to say thank you to NCS Music. They have a YouTube channel and that's going to be for our intro and outro music this time. Yeah, I guess that's it. Uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to 2018. I'm really excited. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year. And uh, it was good to see you in the flesh, Luke. Maybe we could get another one going here soon where we where we record together. We'll see. Maybe next year, maybe not. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, hopefully sometime. Well, we'll I'm definitely hoping- record an episode if we're still doing it, which we should be. But yeah. uh, whether or not I'll be here in the flesh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll maybe see. I'll be up there. Maybe. All right, guys. It's been fun. Thanks for listening. I'm Luke. And I'm James. See ya. See ya.